Okay, open up your Bibles, and um, today we are going to go to Spiritual Warfare, Part 2. Last week we talked about Know Your Enemy. Today we're going to talk about Know Your Armor. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, the word of our Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in His power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord God, this morning, we are on a battlefield, Lord God. And Lord God, unless somebody has their head, Lord God, in the sand, maybe, Lord God, some do, and maybe they need to take it out today to see that we are not on a playground, but a battleground. And there's a war going on around us, Lord God, right in our lives and throughout the world. There's a battle, Lord, for our minds. There's a battle for our hearts. There's a battle for our marriages, for our children, and Lord God, for our families. And Father God, you have not left us defenseless. Lord God, you have not left us offenseless, but Lord God, you have equipped us and you have empowered us. Let us learn, Lord God, how to take up the armor of God, how to equip ourselves with it every day, Lord God, that we may go out, Lord God, and we win battles for you and live as victors, not as victims, as conquerors, Lord God, as your word says, for we are more than conquerors. And we pray this, Lord God, today in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. So again, we talked last week, we have a very tenacious, relentless enemy who's on the offensive and he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for the vulnerable to be able to destroy. But God has not left us defenseless. God has not left us offenseless. Right? He has given us spiritual armor. He has given us weapons and equipment for war. Powerful weapons for war. So what I'm going to talk to you about today, I'm going to, there's no way I could cover this entire passage in one Sunday, so I'm going to cover part of it today and then part of it next week, but we are going to look today at four of the pieces, okay, of armament and equipment that God has given us. The first is the belt of truth. And again, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. If you look at a, at a, a belt, and Paul is using the picture here and the analogies of, of, Roman, of, of a Roman soldier. The, the key thing about the belt, you would think of a belt and it, it, think of it as a weapon. I mean, could it possibly be, you know, be used as a weapon? By the way, a good martial artist will learn how to basically kill someone with their belt. <laughs> 
And there's a, a man that I train with who is um, ex-Special Forces. Let me tell you something. He'd take off his belt to kill you in a second, and it's really kind of amazing. So, but that's not, I don't think that was Paul's um, intent to understand. The belt, essentially what it did was it held the rest of the equipment together. So it was more of a girdle than just simply a belt. It, it held the breastplate together, okay, and onto the person's body. And there was a sheath that went into the belt that held the sword. Now, it is called the belt of truth. And truth holds all the rest of your weapons together. In fact, let me say this to you. Truth holds your life together. And without truth, without integrity, and I want you to take that, that, those two terms, truth essentially in a practical realm is integrity. Truth and integrity, they hold everything together. When there is a loss of truth when there is a loss of integrity in a person's life. And some of you, you see this. Some of you have experienced this in your own personal lives. When there is a loss of truth, when there is a lack of integrity, the life falls apart. The marriage falls apart. Careers fall apart. When there is a lack of truth, people can't hold down jobs. Their families fall apart. Churches fall apart. Governments fall apart. If you don't believe that, look at America right now. Because there is a major lack of integrity in the leadership of this country in this current moment. I mean, do you believe anything that they tell you? Right? The, the, the politicians, the media, person's personal life. When a person is, is living a life of lies... They are living a life of deception. What happens when they are found out? When you have somebody in your life like that and you find out that this person is basically just living a lie, everything, I mean, they literally sometimes, they lie like they breathe. Everything that comes out of their mouth is essentially a lie. What happens? You lose respect for them. Right? You, you stop believing in them. And, th and that is what happens. That's what happens in, in marriages. And that's what happens in careers. When people are not living with integrity, when people are not living with truth, these things fall apart. And again, you can see that. You can see that. Think of politicians who have been discovered, right? They have been discovered as being liars. They have been discovered as being deceptions. What happened to their careers? You, you can see it in the athletic realm. And you can see it in people's ministries, how many ministries, great ministries, ministries with, with, with churches with, with 20 times as many people as are here today, and the pastor was living a lie. The pastor was engaging in adultery. Sometimes they were engaging in homosexuality or the misappropriation of funds, cheating and, and lying, and suddenly they get found out. What happens? What happens to that, that man's ministry? The ministry gets destroyed. That loss of integrity, that loss of truth, leads to destruction. So to, again, the belt of truth, it holds it all together. It holds a person's life together. It keeps all the rest of the equipment together. And I ask you this morning, are you living a life of truth? Are you living a life of integrity? Is your yes, yes, and your no, no. 
Do you mean what you say and say what you mean? You know, ultimately, the concept of living truth and living integrity, it's who you are when no one's looking. Because this is easy. I want to tell you, what I'm doing right now from a truth and integrity level, this is easy. You can put on the act. I could put on the facade. I could put on my frig leaves and wear my masks. But what and who is Frank Bolella when no one's looking? When all of you are not there, when I am all alone in a situation, in my car, in my home, some other place, you know, who am I? That's integrity. When you're, when you're living up to who you are in the public as well as who you are in the private. That is what it is to have the belt of truth girded around your waist. It is to be living truth. Not, not fraudulently, not living like fakes. Because again, when you're found out, it all falls apart. I've seen the marriages fall apart. I've seen families fall apart, careers fall apart. I mean, you're standing there and you're looking and saying, why, why did this happen? Because they did not have the belt of truth girded around their waist. In Isaiah chapter 518 in the New Living Translation, it says, what sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. You ever see people like that? They're dragging their sins behind them. But they cover them up with lies. And then eventually, suddenly, right, they're found out. They're found out that they have got a cart of sins that they've accumulated through a lifetime. And when that happens again, it all falls apart. People stop believing in them. People lose respect for them. That is the, 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 power, the power of the belt of truth. It holds all things together. Let me say, there are three areas that we, that we as Christians desperately need to be truthful in. The first is, we need to be truthful with ourselves. And that's sometimes hard. But it's hard. It's hard to be truthful with yourself. It's hard to step into the light. Because the light reveals our weaknesses. The light reveals our sins and our scars and our warts and our zits. But you have to be, you have to be honest with yourself. And the second is, we need to be truthful with God. There, there is a, a human condition that began right with Adam and Eve when they sinned. What did they do when they sinned? They hid and they sowed fig leaves. And people today, right, the human race is still hiding from God. And they're still sowing fig leaves. You ever see fig leaves that people put on? All kinds of fig leaves that people put on. In the church, religious fig leaves are, are notorious. You, talk, you talk to somebody, right, and you share the gospel with them, and you're sharing with them about, about their sin and how Jesus died on the cross to take away their sin. What do they say? Many times people will say, I'm a Roman Catholic. Fig leaf! I'm an Episcopalian. Big fig leaf! I'm a Pentecostal. Fig leaf! They're all fig leaves. They're hiding. They're hiding behind these religious titles, their, their denomination. 
And it can't cover you. God sees right through it. Jesus said in, in John 3 that the people of darkness like to hide in the darkness. Because if they come into the light, their sins are exposed. But we, we have to come into the light. We have to have that courage to come into the light and let the light of God shine down upon us and expose, expose our sins. And the beauty of that is, it's like Peter, when Jesus exposed Peter and his lack of faith, right? They were out on the fishing boat. They didn't catch any fish. And Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, cast your, cast your nets over there. And Peter's like, I'm the fisherman. I've been fishing all day. And this guy's a carpenter from Nazareth. And he's telling, by the way, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He's telling me what to do. And then Peter cast his net. And he caught more fish than he could handle. He had to call the Zebedee brothers to come over with their boats to be able to put all the fish in the boats. And then Peter's standing before Jesus, the light of the world. What did he say? He said, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. See, his, his lack of faith, his sin was exposed. And it can be painful. But what happens is when we come into the light and Jesus exposes our sin, he always offers grace. He always offers forgiveness. He always will offer mercy. And you will walk away stronger in that moment than you walked in. We need to be truthful with others. And again, this, this, is, this is sometimes a tough call. Because you see, our, our delicate little egos, they want so badly for people to like us. Right? They, they want people to respect us. They, they want, it wants people to see the, maybe the uniqueness of, of our humanity. And so again, we, we, we hide from people. We hide our true selves from people. There's a great, great verse Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 to the Corinthians who were very judgmental of Paul. And he says, I really don't care what you think about me. He says, I don't even care what I think about myself. The only thing that really matters is what God thinks about me. That's, that's true freedom. That's liberation. When, when you can go through life and be who you truly are, whether they like you or hate you. And some will hate you. They will just hate you for your, for your faith in Christ. But when you can go through life and not be concerned about what people think about you, only what God thinks about you, I'll tell you, you are in a place of strength and you are in a place of power. And the way you get there, the way you get there is by stepping into the light and into the truth. The belt of truth. Again, it holds it all together. If you are not walking in integrity, if you are not walking in truth, I will tell you this right now, you're going to have some major problems in your life. You're going to have some major problems in your relationships. You're going to have some major problems in your career. You're going to have some major problems in the church. Integrity, truth, holds it all together. Okay, number two, breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Essentially, the Word of God reveals there, there are two sides to righteousness. There is what is called the imputed side of righteousness and the imparted side of righteousness. The imputed side of righteousness is essentially when we come to Jesus and we receive him into our life as our Lord and Savior, his righteousness is imputed to us. His righteousness is given to us. His righteousness, in a sense, covers us and covers our sins. His, his righteousness is basically, in, again, imputed to us, placed upon our lives. God no longer sees us as sinners. 
Nowhere in the New Testament will you see God calling a believer a sinner. Now I understand Paul called himself the chief sinner, and I think that's, that's again, we still will sin and fall short of, of the glory of God. But positionally, we have been forgiven. What a, what a great thing that is, right? Doesn't that just make you want to just take a deep breath and say, praise the Lord. That God, God has made me righteous through Jesus Christ. He has imputed that righteousness to me. The second side of righteousness is imparted righteousness. So God imparts to us his very righteousness. He imparts his spirit to us. He, he imparts an ability, a, a motivation, a desire to live righteously. But there are a lot of people, they hide behind imputed righteousness and they use it as an excuse to go out and sin. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 6. Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? No, he says. So not only has God imputed his righteousness to us and covered us in his righteousness, but he's also imparted it and he has given us a new heart, a new desire, new values to be obedient to him, to, to live for him, to glorify him. So the concept here, it's not that as a Christian, I am not able to sin. I am still, I still, until I am glorified and I go home to be with the Lord, I still have the flesh within me, and I still have that propensity or that ability to sin. So it's not as a Christian that I'm not able to sin, but that through Christ, as a Christian, I have been able not to sin. I have been abled by God, equipped by God, to be able to resist the devil. I've been equipped by God to say no to the devil. I have been equipped by God to say no to the flesh and no to the world. That I can be living right, a, a practical, righteous life. That is, again, the concept of the imputed righteousness and the imparted righteousness of the Lord. And that is a breastplate. A breastplate that guards what? Vitals. Right? Vitals. The major, the major vital that it guards ultimately is the heart. This is a, uh, a picture that is center mass. Soldiers are, are trained. If any of you have been soldiers, you're in the military, you're in law enforcement. The Roman soldiers with a spear, with a sword, okay, the javelin, they were trained to hit center mass. If you hit center mass, person's going to die. Okay, it may take a few seconds, but the person's going to die. If you, if you spear a leg, the person may be bleeding out, but they still may have enough energy to kill you. If you cut an arm, they still may have enough energy to be able to kill you. So you want to go for center mass. Guess what the devil aims for? He aims for center mass. Because if he gets your heart, he gets you. He gets your desires. Right? Satan's desires are always a perversion of God's desires. You can look at that with, with everything. Satan's desires, he always perverts. He is a, he's a pervert. And he takes what is beautiful and he perverts it to the ugly. Now you look at, at, at any sin... Right, people show, look at the sins in people's lives. You will see again, there is two sides. And Satan's side is again, is a perversion. It is a perversion of what is good. It is a perversion of, of, of what is right. But he gets your heart. 
He gets you. Proverbs chapter 4, 23 says, keep guard, right? It says, keep your heart. The word there in the Hebrew is guard. Guard your heart with all diligence. Guard it with diligence. You know what diligence is? Don't you like diligent people? I love diligent people. I like working. My, you know, my staff here at the church, my, my staff in, my, you know, in, in business, they're diligent people. I like working with diligent people. They are tenacious. They're persistent. They're relentless. I like working with people like that. Guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because for out of the spring, right, springs the issues of life. See, the, thing, the things you're getting in life are an outflow of your heart. Your success or your failure. The positive, the negative. Righteousness or sin. The good or the evil. Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, what, what happens? The mouth speaks. Let me say this to you. From the overflow, of the, the overflow of the heart, the mind thinks. And from the overflow of the heart, the hands move. And from the overflow of the heart, the feet go. Because what comes out of our heart basically flows out to every area of our life. So he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard, guard that vital part of your being with the breastplate of righteousness. With the imputed, with the imparted righteousness of God. Where that breastplate of protection and it will protect you against Satan's temptations. It will protect you against Satan's influence. It will protect you against Satan's schemes. Next time he comes and he's trying to get your heart, rip open your shirt and show him that you got the breastplate of righteousness right on underneath. Because he will come to tempt you. He will come to influence you. He will come to attack you. And he knows if he, if he can get your heart, he wins. So we want to make sure we're wearing that breastplate of righteousness, being able again to stand against Satan so that he can't get our hearts. You know, he comes and he wants your heart. Next time, you know, it's okay to talk back to the devil. A.W. Tozer, great book, I Talk Back to the Devil. But my words in talking back to the devil are not my own. The word that you use talking back to the devil, and we'll get into this when we talk about strategies, is the word of God, I belong to Jesus Christ, I don't belong to you. I belong, I belong to Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. His righteousness covers my life. I don't belong to you. Everything good? Good. Okay, number three. The shoes of the gospel of peace. So in verse 14... Again, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The word, the word shod, the word is, is hubidio in the Greek, and what it means is to just have your shoes on, to have your, your feet covered. Now, these, these, Roman, these Roman shoes, these Roman, essentially these sandals, They had spikes at the bottom that enabled the soldiers to hold their ground, to stand firm, to, to be unmovable. They were, they were grounded. Some, some people say that this is what made the Roman army so successful, just simply this one item, this one technology. I, be, I believe there's, there's more to it. 
I believe they had other technologies and I believe they had strategies that, that far were advanced compared to their enemies. But the, the, again, the picture here is if you have the gospel okay, of peace right in your life, you're prepared with it, you're going to be able to stand your ground. Now, the Roman soldiers, the way they would fight, they would fight essentially shoulder to shoulder and they would move against their enemies. And not only were they wearing those sandals to be able to stand their ground, they would actually have their shields in front of them, you'll see this in a second, and they would be able to move forward and hold their ground and move forward and hold the ground. What they're doing is behind, behind that shield, if you've ever seen uh, the 300, also the Vikings, the Vikings were incredible shield wall warriors. But it came, it, it really, it, 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 the Romans, the Romans fully developed this. And what they do is as they move, then they'd have their lance and they'd come out in between the shields and they would then take a stand. And then they would, and they would just defeat their enemies and just be able to move through uh, the pagan armies. Okay, again, like that. So it's, it's to keep them grounded, right, firm-footed, Right, again, you, you see that throughout Ephesians chapter uh, 6, 10 through 14, right? That you might be able to stand. That you may be able to withstand. Stand, therefore. Right, the word is used three times. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So it was, it was essentially the shoes able them to stand firm, to keep their ground. But notice here, it is essentially preparation, Right? It was, it was a preparation. They were prepared. They were trained in what? The gospel of peace. They were trained. What, what is the gospel of peace? The, the gospel, again, gospel means good news. And essentially the gospel of peace is that we were separated from God. When you want to look at the cross, right? Sinful man, right? Down here. Everyone at the foot of the cross are sinners. And then above is a holy God. And Jesus hung on that cross six hours that Friday, took our sins upon himself, said it was finished, and then was raised from the dead on the third day. That, that is the good news, that, that God came to this earth, he died for us on the cross to take away our sins and to reconcile us with God, that we could have peace with God. You don't need to be an enemy of God. You can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That is the gospel of peace. Have you taken that gospel into your heart and taken Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior? If you have, then you have received that peace. You're at peace with God if you have done that. You're his child, his son, his daughter. You've been adopted into his family. But it says that, that, again, it is the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, essentially, we need to be prepared. To be prepared, to be trained in the gospel of peace. And I believe that's, that's not only in receiving it into our hearts, that also means in sharing the gospel of peace. Going out and being witnesses and sharing. What I just shared with you, that simple message, being able to share that, with your friends, being able to share that with your family, being able to share that with other human beings, being able to share that gospel message. What, what happens when you share the gospel with other people? Do they, all, do they all immediately say, 
okay, I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm accepting Jesus right now. Have you ever had that? I've, I, I've had that happen on occasion. Sometimes people are very apathetic to the, to the message. And then there are some people who can actually be antagonistic, right? When, when Sue and I got saved and we shared the gospel with our friends, we suddenly had no friends. And then we got involved in the church and then we had more friends than we wanted. <laughs> we started saying no to friendship because there were too many of them. But we had our, our, our friends, even our families, right? A little persecution. Family starts looking at you, right? My family thought I was crazy. My own wife thought I was crazy when I first accepted the Lord because Sue didn't accept the Lord for four months later. She thought, I was, she thought I was out of my mind. I went from being an atheist who had no interest in God at all, no interest in the church, no interest in the Bible, to being really captivated by it, as I've been for 40 years. So one night, I was laying in bed, and I was twiddling my thumbs. I'm telling you, I was tw you ever just twiddle your thumbs? It was late, I was tired, Sue was taking a shower, she was coming to bed, and I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs, and she came in, and she looked at me, and she said, she said, you're praying. She said, you're praying? She goes, she goes, you're praying! She goes, what's happened to you? You're praying! You ask her. You're praying! I, was, I said, I'm not praying, I'm twiddling my thumbs. I was twiddling my thumbs, I wasn't praying. But you get, you get, you get attacked. Thank God we're not in Northern Africa or China where, right, they kill you. They, uh, they take your family away. In China, they just put you into a gulag, put you in jail. Thank the Lord that hasn't happened here yet. Yet. But you can see, you can see the antagonism here in the United States. It's, it's building against Christians. Nobody's ever come up and physically attacked me. There might be other reasons than just simply uh, the spiritual why that doesn't happen. But I've never been. I've never been physically attacked. But people. But again, people have attacked. Right? People have objected. People have gotten heated. People have gotten angry in disagreement. So again, if you have been trained and prepared in the gospel of peace, what will happen is when that happens, you'll be able to stand your ground instead of running away. I see people in the church, they go and they share the gospel with somebody who objects and maybe gets a little heated with them. They are traumatized and they never share the gospel again. They were not prepared and trained with, again, the gospel of peace to be able to stand your ground. Key thing in warfare, being able to stand your ground and keep your balance. Because once you lose your balance, let me tell you, there, there haven't been too many great warriors who could fight running backwards. Muhammad Ali actually was one of them. Muhammad Ali could knock somebody out stepping backwards. If you ever watch any, any kind of boxing match or martial arts or street fights, you get the person moving backwards and you stay on them, you're going to win. You're going to win. That's a, a, a key principle. That's what, again, the gospel of peace enables us to stand our ground and to be able to move forward against the enemy. Our right, last one, the shield of faith for today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The Roman shield, the soldier could entirely hide behind it. He could get his whole body 
behind it. And they use the shield as a team, as a unit. Here's a great picture of how they would use the shield. They basically, they would get behind their shields and create a shield wall and a shield roof and they would be protected from the fiery arrows that were coming at them directly. They'd be protected from what was coming from the left, from the right, from behind and from above. By the way, you know what? That's important to see. The Lone Ranger for Christ, he is vulnerable. The Lone Ranger for Christ, he's out, he's out there, he's, 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 just got, he's just got a shield in front of him. He's, he's vulnerable to aerial attacks, he's vulnerable to lateral attacks, he's vulnerable to rear attacks. Watch those people, watch them. I've, I've seen the devil take those people out. That's what we, we need to be working within, again, a unit. A, a, a literal spiritual warfare unit. Do you have a group of friends, true Christian friends, real Christian friends, not fakes, that you pray with, that you connect with? I'm in a, I'm in a, a really good group right now of pastors that, that we meet, and we're, we're actually preparing something for men that's going to be coming in March to, uh, to the New Jersey area. Just getting, you know, getting with those warriors. And we, and we pray for each other. And we're praying for each other as we go through the week when we're not together. But that is, that is a, the power of being, again, in a place with your brothers, with your sisters, where the enemy, again, he can't get those fiery arrows. Because he, he shoots fiery arrows. And he shoots them from multiple directions. Right here, he'll shoot you in the back. He'll shoot you, right, aerially for, in, in, into the head. He'll shoot to your left, your right, he'll shoot in front of you. Have you ever been caught off guard and surprised at the direction the fiery am, uh, arrow came from? Or the person that it came from? Right? Boy, I didn't expect, I didn't expect that to come from them. I, I, didn't, I, you know, I didn't expect that to, to be something that, that, that they would do. And they're being used by the devil. And you get burned. You ever get physically burned? Let me tell you, physical burns, they hurt, man. I, one time I, I stuck my, my arm in a, um, a wood stove and caught my arm that was like, it was like red hot. It wasn't white hot, but red hot. And I still have the scar on my arm. But man, let me tell you something. That thing sizzled up. That burned. And, and burns. I think, I think somewhere when Jesus talks about hell, when he talks about fire, again, it could very well be figurative with what he's saying, but it's something that is really horrible because, again, physical burns. I mean, on 9-11, people were jumping out of the buildings at, at 100 stories to escape the pain of the fire. That's how bad, you know, uh, uh, you know fire, fire is. The shield of faith, again, gives us, again, that ability to extinguish the fiery arrows. So let me ask you this, what is faith? What is, what is faith? And the Bible, the Bible gives us a number of, of key definitions. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So, so faith isn't something that, that we can actually see. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, faith, faith is the ability 
to look beyond the material into the spiritual. Faith is the ability to look beyond the earthly into the heavenly. It, it is the ability to be able to look beyond the temporary into the eternal. You ever go out into a, into a really dark night? We don't have too many dark nights here in New York because of all the light coming from the city. But if you go up north or if you go out west and you go out, you know, you go out in the night, right? I mean, everything, it, it, is, it is pitch black. Just darkness. And then, and then all of a sudden, right, you can't see, you can't see things until you light up, right? Your flashlight. Or you get the headlights on your car. But that is what faith does. Faith, faith enables us to see the very mysteries, the very truths of God beyond the darkness. Where does faith come from? How do you, how do you, how do you enlarge your faith, right? What does the Bible tell us in, in, in Romans chapter 10, 17? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you get into the word of God, and the more the word of God gets into you, Right? When, when you're reading the word, studying the word, listening to the word, meditating on the word, memorizing the word, when you're in the word, what happens is God is going to impart his supernatural faith to you. You know what it's like? When you're in the word, and the word is in you, God gives you night vision goggles. Night vision goggles, you know, all of a sudden you, you are seeing things that you can't see, right, with your natural eyes. God gives us night vision goggles to be able to look into the spiritual realm, to, to look into the things of God, but also to look into the things of the enemy. With, with, with God's spiritual goggles that come to us through the Word of God, we are able to look in and see the enemy's tactics, his maneuvers. You, know, start to, you, you start to see things that other people don't see. You know, the, the, the natural person. You think, think about our world. Just go to the, 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 the macro. Think about the world. And China right now is threatening to invade Taiwan. And Russia is going at it with Ukraine. And America is sending money to Iran, who then gives weapons to the Russians, and we are sending money to the Ukrainians who then battle against the Russians. I don't know if you know that. You see things going on in our government. And, and when you have spiritual night vision, you begin to look at things very differently and just simply the, you know, from the natural realm. You start to see that the enemy is up there, right? And he's got his strings attached to people. He's got his string to, strings attached to leaders, Sad thing, sad thing about the Ukraine, these leaders, and this goes for our American leaders, because I believe this war could be over. And it goes for the Russian leaders. It's the poor people. The poor people. Who have watched their loved ones die. The poor Ukrainian people who have had their homes destroyed, who have watched their children die. Those people are never going to be the same again. And then there's the, the enemy just, just playing, right, playing and with the strings and creating, creating this, this death. You start to look very differently at the world than just simply looking at it the way CNN or Fox tells you that it's going. 
very differently. Same thing goes with your life. People are like, well, why are these things happening to me? Why, why, why is this happening? What is going on? It's beyond just simply you. It's beyond just your decisions. It's beyond just simply what's going on in your life. There is a spiritual realm around you. And when you've got, again, the spiritual goggles on, man, all of a sudden you are seeing things very differently. As an atheist, I saw things just from a material perspective. When I took Christ into my life and I began to study the Word of God, I started seeing things very I started seeing people very differently. I started seeing myself very differently. I started seeing the, the challenges and the tribulations that were going on in our lives very differently than I had seen previously. That is what the shield of faith really gives us. It protects us from the fiery darts of the enemy so that ultimately we can extinguish them. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9, the second part of the verse, it says, unless your faith is firm, you cannot, I cannot make you stand. A firm faith enables us to stand in battle. By the way, that's, that's talking about Judah going to battle with Israel and with Syria. But Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. So I'll stop there. I'll stop there for today. The belt of truth, right? That is integrity. It holds your life together. Hey, some of you young people here, let me tell you, learn this lesson. You will save yourself a massive amount of pain. Just learn to be truthful. Learn, learn to be truthful with your parents. Learn to be truthful with your spouse. Learn to be truthful with your employer or the people that work for you. Learn to be truthful. It's, it's, it, it, it's a foundation stone to living a successful life. The breastplate of righteousness. The very imputed and imported righteousness of the Lord that it protects our hearts from the attacks of the enemy. The shoes of the gospel of peace that enable us to stand firm, make us unmovable, make us unshakable, and the shield of faith that enables us to extinguish the fiery thoughts of the enemy. I'm going to end this by praying a prayer with you, and this is something that we will make available to you in upcoming weeks, but this is called the warrior's prayer. Here's a great prayer to pray before you get out of bed in the morning. I want to tell you, as soon as you put your foot down, you're on the battlefield. Heavenly Father, your warrior prepares for battle. Today I claim victory over Satan by putting on the whole armor of God. I put on the girdle of truth. May I stand firm in the truth of your word so I will not be a victim of Satan's lies. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. May I guard my heart from evil, so I will remain pure and holy, protected under the blood of Jesus Christ. I put on the shoes of peace. May I stand firm in the good news of the gospel so your peace will shine through me and be a light to all I encounter. I take the shield of faith. May I be ready for Satan's fiery darts of doubt, denial, and deceit so I will not be vulnerable to the spiritual defeat. I put on the helmet of salvation. May I keep my mind focused on you 
so Satan will not have a stronghold on my thoughts. And I take the sword of the Spirit. May the two-edged sword of your word be ready in my hand so I can expose the tempting words of Satan. By faith your warrior has put on the whole armor of God. I am prepared to live this day in spiritual victory. Amen. We'll give you a copy of that. Pray it in the mornings. Pray it until you memorize it. Pray it every day. Amen. Let's have the uh, worship team come up. We're going to share the Lord's Supper here. You can take of your cup and take of the bread. So on that night, the Lord Jesus, he took the bread and he broke it. He gave it to his disciples. He said to them, take this, all of you, and eat this, for this is my body. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, in remembrance of your body that was broken on the cross of Calvary, pierced in the hands and the feet, Lord God, we partake today, knowing that you did that for us. Let us all partake. And then Jesus took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, take this, all of you, and drink this, for this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Sometimes hard to get that stuff out, right? (laughs) That's why I gave up. I got this cup. (laughs) These are your boys? God bless you guys. See me praying here, listening to the word of God, taking it in. God bless you both. You know him. the blood of our Lord that was shed for us, his very life. Let us all partake. If you'd like to come forward for prayer, you're always welcome to. Maybe you're here today and you have given your life to Jesus. Come up, kneel before him. Maybe today is a day where you're hungry for God and need to rededicate yourself to him. We welcome you to come to the altar and just humble yourself before him. If you will humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord, for your word. The altars are open for you. We're going to worship the Lord and continue in song and praise. This amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found Was blind, but now I see T'was grace that taught my Fears, really, I 
praise offering. Jesus won the victory on the cross of Calvary. We don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Thank you, Lord. It is done. Father, go with us all, Lord God, as we leave here. We walk out of here, Lord God, with the love of God in our hearts, with the peace of Christ in our minds. Lord God, we walk out with the armor of God, Lord God, covering our souls. And Father God, I pray that you'd use us this week to go out and share the gospel of peace with people. 
Use us for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.